Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Maya was always determined to get better. She was a little feisty fighter. She was not going to let this break her, and she wasn't going to let a wheelchair limit her. She was always a fighter. So, yeah, she was going to fight. Was she like her mom? (laughs) Yes. She was a lot like her mom in that way. It's a unique face-off between a Florida family and a children's hospital involving claims of child abuse, accusations of faking an illness, and eventually the death of a loved one. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. So you may have seen this documentary called Take Care of Maya on Netflix this past summer, but now the story is playing out in civil court as the Kowalski family sues John Hopkins All Children's Hospital out of St. Petersburg, Florida for millions of dollars. I tell you right now, this is a complicated case, but we're going to try our best to simplify it all for you. It deals with multiple doctors and multiple medical events over several years. And we do want to warn you that this is a story that contains allegations of child abuse and neglect, as well as that of suicide. So we're going to be breaking down everything we know so far in this case as the trial gets underway in Sarasota County, Florida. And the best place to start is with the players in this case. At the center is the Kowalski family. Jack Kowalski, the dad, filed this lawsuit against the hospital on behalf of his two children, Maya and Kyle, and is the personal representative of the estate of his late wife, Beata Kowalski. Let's go back to 2015, when Maya Kowalski was just nine years old and her health began to deteriorate significantly. She was diagnosed with CRPS. It's known as Complex Regional Pain Syndrome. Well, what is that? Well, CRPS is a neurological condition in which a person's body misinterprets even light touches as excruciating pain. This can cause stiffness, spasms, limited mobility. In the family's lawsuit, they use the words like burning, bone crushing, shooting, stabbing, all to describe what this sensation feels like. The family's doctor treated Maya with ketamine, which it's our understanding can block someone's pain receptors. It can try to normalize the body in a way. It revises that sensation process. Now, it's not a miracle cure. There can still be flare-ups. And according to the Kowalskis, that is what happened in 2016. Maya had a flare-up, and it was so bad that Jack and Beata checked their daughter into Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital. So Beata tells the hospital, treat Maya with ketamine, right? It had worked for her in the past. But according to the lawsuit, the hospital staff refused to follow the family's instructions or the guidance of the family's medical specialists. Family says the hospital... They lacked experience with CRPS, and the family claims that the hospital staff were in fact suspicious of Maya's family because the ketamine treatment to them seems so extreme. In fact, the lawsuit claims that the hospital suspected Maya might be a victim of child abuse and that this was a case of Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Now, for those of you who followed the 
Gypsy Rose Blanchard story here on Long Crime, you know what that is. Basically saying that Yada was suffering from a condition in which she was faking or causing her daughter's illness. It's a form of child abuse. According to the complaint, a hospital social worker contacted the Florida Department of Children and Families to report Yada and refused to let Maya go. Maya was actually taken into state custody and remained in the hospital. She didn't see her family for three months. Maya herself told People Magazine that she was, quote, medically kidnapped. So this separation took a massive toll on Maya's family. The complaint reads, the resulting prolonged separation from their suffering daughter manifested in Beata's depression, fatigue, and overwhelming sense of hopelessness. And sadly, in January of 2017, Beata died by suicide. And after that, six days later, Maya was finally released back to her family. Now, the lawsuit against the hospital is based on multiple claims, false imprisonment, negligent infliction of emotional distress, medical negligence, battery, and it's reported that the family is seeking over $200 million in damages. Originally, the lawsuit was against the social worker as well, Catherine Betty, but just as the trial was getting underway, the family decided to drop Betty from the lawsuit, so instead, it's just the hospital they're going after. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And what this trial is about is to figure out if this whole series of events could have been prevented and whether the hospital contributed to Beata's suicide. So let's dive into the trial itself. Opening statements. That's how we begin every one of our cases. Opening statements happened in this case on Thursday, September 21st, out in Sarasota County, Florida. The attorney for the plaintiffs, Gregory Anderson, went first. We will prove that they misdiagnosed Maya's symptoms from October 7th through the end of the year. Wrongfully accusing Beata and Jack Kowalski of child abuse and alleging and attempting to show that Maya had a mental disorder. She was crazy. She was making it up. Now, it's also been alleged that when Maya was in the hospital, she claims that doctors and nurses often padded parts of her body to try to show that she didn't have isolated pain from CRPS. The allegation was that hospital staff was trying to prove that Maya was faking it. Maya Kowalski was falsely imprisoned and battered. She was denied communication with her family. She was denied communication with the outside. She was told that her mother was crazy. She was told by social workers that one in particular, she would be her mother. 
she was put into a room and left for 42 hours with the commode just out of reach because the hospital wanted to prove that she could actually get up and walk. Anderson also went over the reasons that the Kowalskis filed this lawsuit and why the family is seeking damages in the millions. Intentional infliction of emotional distress is where you do things so outrageous that they cause damage and injury to a person. In this case, a suicide. In this case, traumatic disorders, depression, a multitude of emotional problems and issues. We've alleged fraud in that they intentionally deceived or attempted to deceive in the proof of the matter. We also alleged fraud in that they billed $536,000 for the treatment of CRPS and yet never treated her for CRPS and took multiple positions, especially to them, especially to Maya, that she did not have CRPS. Yet they billed over half a million dollars to the healthcare provider and Kowalski's for the treatment of it. So that's one side of the story. Let's go to the other one. Howard Hunter is representing the defendant in this case, John Hopkins All Children's Hospital, and he rebutted some of what Anderson had to say in his opening statement. Now, as of October 7th, we had the Kowalski's seeking out care at all children's, as I've said. We believe the evidence is going to show you that care was reasonable and necessary and appropriate. And indeed, we're going to suggest to you the evidence I'm about to discuss with you will show that what went before, the treatment that went before, did not necessarily fall into that category. Any of those three categories. And that is the reason one of the big reasons that we're here today. Now, as of this date, as of the time that Maya Kowalski was discharged from all children's, we believe that in fact she had been set on a path of therapy that has enabled her to resume function, to get out of a wheelchair, to be relatively pain-free, and to be in a situation of participating in her school and in society as she does today. So how did we get there? Well, on October 7th, Maya Kowalski was brought to the emergency room at All Children's. As you've heard, she had bad stomach pain. She was screaming, crying, thrashing around, cursing at staff, very upset, and presenting a very challenging situation for the staff. She had pain in all her extremities. She had her whole body being said to be hypersensitive to any kind of touch. She was unable to walk. She was had legs atrophied from disuse, from being in a wheelchair for months at that point, or maybe over a year. She had dystonia, alleged dystonia, different position of her feet, as you've heard, and she was demanding pain medication, pain medication, in large quantities. We suggest to you the evidence will show that she was being harmed by these large doses of medication. The evidence will show you that 
the doctor's concern about how much she was being given and the frequency with which she was being given it was very well placed and is vindicated by what happened later. Hunter also addressed some of the suspicions about abuse that I mentioned, namely that Maya's own mother might be making up her daughter's condition or at the very least making it worse. There was a suspicion of Munchausen by proxy. It wasn't just all children's suspicion. There was a concern that part of this child's condition was being fostered or encouraged by the mother. There was a concern that the mother was seeking out care that was too aggressive, that was dangerous, and would persist in doing so if she were permitted to do so. That's what got this ball rolling. And Hunter pointed out that under the law, the hospital didn't actually have to be right about the diagnosis. The evidence will ultimately show that these doctors and these nurses and this hospital staff acted reasonably and prudently to treat a difficult and challenging case they were presented with, and they did it consistently over three months. They don't have to be right under the law. All they have to be is reasonable. And we will suggest to you that the evidence will show that first, they probably were right, but even if they weren't, they were more than reasonable. So yeah, is what they did reasonable? That becomes a central question in these kinds of lawsuits. The 911 phone call that Jack Kowalski, Maya's father, Yada's widower, made when he found his wife's body was played for the court. I tell you this right now, this is very tough to listen to. What city are you in? Venice. Closest road is Lee Road. And Venice is there a name to the neighborhood? Kyle. What's the phone number that, you call, that you're calling from? Uh, I'll give you my cell. Tell me exactly what happened. Uh, she hung herself in the garage. <laughs> no. Stay on the line. Are you with her now? Uh, well, I'm in, I, yeah, I'm in the garage. How old is she? 42. Is she awake? I just no, have to she, verify. She's stiff. She's stiff. She's stiff. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, Kyle, you can't go in there. Okay, tell me why she looks like she's dead. No, she's, I'm, I'm a, a retired deputy fire chief. I know she is. Do you think she's beyond any help? Uh, beyond, beyond, yes, rigmarole. I'm sure she's, she's really. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm sending the, the, I'm sending the fire, the, I'm sending someone to assist you. Please leave everything as you found it. I'm is there anything we can do for you? Okay, just please get somebody here. They're on their way. Uh, I'm gonna get my. I'm gonna bring my son to my neighbor, sir. Call my neighbor. Okay. Can you tell me uh, the address there one more time? Okay, they're on their way. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye bye. 
Well, one of the first witnesses called for the plaintiff's side was Robert Reince. He's Jack Kowalski's brother, Maya's uncle. And he was able to give the jury an idea of how the family reacted when Maya was taken into state custody at All Children's. How did you first learn that she wasn't going to be coming home soon? Jack and I talked every day. And uh, he called me and told me, he says, they took Maya. And I said, what do you mean they took Maya? And he says, they took custody of Maya. They took her away from us. And me, like him, and everybody else, like Maya, like Beata, everybody was in shock, not understanding what just happened. How, how would you describe your brother's reaction, knowing that she couldn't come home? Fear which is something I've never seen on Jack's face before. Um, I've seen him do stuff on the fire department that most people in this world would never try, dangling off of water towers and stuff, and uh, I've never seen fear on his face. But it was, it was just, he was scared. For the first time I saw my brother really, truly scared. Same question. What about Beata? How'd she react? Angry. Um, Jack and I, Jack and Beata were a little different in that respect where Beata was, like I said, she would tell you how she feels. And Jack was kind of the opposite of that where, he, I mean, he would tell you how he feels, but just a different reaction where Beata was mad and and scared and you know but definitely angry what about what about uh, your nephew Kyle he was just a little boy he was devastated you know his sis and they were close they you know a lot of little kids don't don't play together. They they were in that pool all the time. They did everything together. And so, you know, at eight, eight years old, I think he was at the time, he lost his best friend. Yeah, and let's actually talk about Kyle, Maya's brother. So Kyle, he's now a teenager in 2023, he took the stand. And he testified about Maya's condition after a trip to Mexico where she received her ketamine treatment. Yeah, so after Maya got back from Mexico, she regained a lot of her strength and also along with that, her happiness. And she was able to do stuff she was never able to do before. For example, Maya, like just even like unscrewing a water bottle cap would be very difficult for her. And then after a trip from Mexico, she regained strength back from all over her body and she was able to do stuff that she hasn't been able to do since she was sick. Now, of course, Kyle was young when Maya went to all children's, but he testified that having Maya taken away had such a huge impact on their home life. And so your uh, dad left to take her up there to where? Uh, I believe it was John Hopkins. And uh, was that the last time you had your sister home until into January of 2017? Yes. And was that the last time home with your entire family, your mom and 
your sister <coughs> and you and your dad. Yes. So, uh, if the record reflects that she went into Johns Hopkins on October 7th, 2016, so October 6th, 2016 would be your last day with the whole family at your home? Yes, that's correct. During this picture, during this period of time, uh, she was up staying at Johns Hopkins, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. And do you know, were your parents trying to get her out of there? Uh, of Out of Johns Hopkins while she was taken for the three and a half months? Yes. yes, my mom and dad were researching every night and trying to find a way to get her out of there. Okay. And was it hard on them? Extremely hard. What do you notice from, I know you were just a, kind of a little kid, but what, what did you notice about it? Uh, my, the stress that was added on my parents, that like it was unmanageable. They were trying every way to get my out of there, and they were determined it wouldn't stop until she got out of there. What about their relationship as time went on? From I know you were just a, a, a little boy, but did you notice any stress? Yes, the stress um, in the family caused uh, more arguments than normal between them. And then in January of 2017, after being kept away from her daughter for 87 days, Yada Kowalski hung herself. She left behind a note saying she could no longer take the pain of being separated from Maya, and that she couldn't stand being treated like a criminal. As I mentioned, days after, Maya was returned to the custody of her family. Kyle talked about seeing Maya in the hospital what's happened since her release. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. When was the first time you remember being able to go see your sister? I do not remember the exact date, but mm -hmm. I do kind of re remember the day. Okay. And tell me about that. Yes, so I was extremely excited to see Maya because it's the first time I've seen her since uh -huh. she was taken. Right. Um, and then, um, how was she in the hospital? Besides uh, being excited to see you, but how did she look physically? She was not doing good. No? No. So after she got out of Johns Hopkins, within a couple of years, she had yet another relapse? Yes. All right. And so, how's she doing now? She's doing good. I mean, that's, that's today, though. Like, tomorrow could be completely different. Her pain varies on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay. Are there days when she does not want to do anything? Yes. Okay. Have you noticed that she has any physical reactions, any tics, any issues with her legs, anything like that? Yes, there is still times where I do notice that. Okay. Um, anything new that you've noticed? Uh, not recently, no. Okay. And so she's able to get around real well now. Correct, yes. Are there days when she'll just lay in bed all day and Most not want to do yes. anything? Yes. And other days she wants to go to the beach and go out and yes. have fun, right? Does she ever know from day to day what it's going to be? Uh, it's completely unpredictable. It wasn't just family that 
plaintiff's legal team called to the stand. Another piece of testimony came from a woman named Jackie Dieter. This is Maya Kowalski's elementary school teacher. She had the opportunity to visit Maya a few times at the hospital, and she testified that she seemed to be getting worse there. She was, um, well, she was happy to see me, that's for sure, um, just because it was a familiar face. Um, I, I didn't think uh, she would be there long because it didn't seem like she had been as bad as I'd seen her at her house. Um, but then she got progressively sad because then it, Dad wasn't coming. It was just me. Um, and then even when Jack was able to come, she really missed her mom. But academically, she was doing fantastic. She loved school. Um, but pretty quickly, um, she wasn't as comfortable getting out of her bed and going around the hospital or going to the craft room or some of the things that we had done previously when I first started seeing her because she's a girly girl and she loves crafts and she had crafts all over her room and so I know she loved the craft room um, and there was a piano in there and she loved to play the piano um, but I guess I might have seen her for about what was that maybe 10 weeks about three months maybe and um, about halfway through she really didn't go to the craft room much anymore after that was that because she was in more pain or doing worse, or what yes. was the reason? Um, she, she was in more pain, and um, she just laid in her bed a lot at that time. Uh, instead of even sitting up, or um, just her disposition when I would get in there, or her position of her body, um, towards the end, she was just laying down in her bed. Dieter testified that the hospital staff seemed indifferent, sometimes cold, very disconnected, very impersonal. Now, on Tuesday, before the jury came into the courtroom, Maya Kowalski herself was called to the stand to answer questions about a letter that she wrote to her family while she was in the hospital. You see, her attorneys wanted to bring that letter in as evidence. Was there a period of time between October 7th, 2016 and January 14th, 2017 when you were kept at Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital? Yes. During the course of that, did you, from time to time, write letters to your mother, your father, or your uh, brother? Yes. Let me show you, if I may approach you, Your Honor. What's been marked for identification, trial exhibit 2375, and ask you to identify whether you are the author of that? Yes, I wrote the note. And that is your handwriting? Yes. And so, um, although, I don't see that it's dated, is it, in any place? It's not. But do you recall that whether this was written during the course of your stay at Johns Hopkins? It was written. When and I can you there. see that from what is written there, the descriptions? Yes. Well, at the time, I desperately missed my family. I wasn't allowed to really have any contact with them. So in this document, I'm expressing how much I miss them. I was extremely depressed. And in the little, as far as physical-wise, how I was doing, if you look, there's a heart. And in the heart is pictured my mom on the very far right, and my brother, me in the wheelchair, and then on the very far left would be my dad. So it's showing that I'm still sick. Were you attempting at this point to 
address, address your health while in there. Yes, and but I couldn't explicitly state it. Because what? I couldn't explicitly state it because they wouldn't have sent the document. Was that your intent, however? Yes. And did you state in there uh, the status of your pain? I think it's in the top. Is mine, can I see that up here? Or has the judge got that shut down? I gave away all my copies. You can put it back on the screen. When you say not doing the best, but I'm hanging in there, what were you addressing? I was trying to express that physically I wasn't doing very well. I was in a lot of pain with my CRPS. On top of that, I wasn't doing well mentally because, I, I mean, I was a kid and I was taken away from my family, so you could only imagine. Just a couple quick questions. Um, do you know the date that this was sent? I do not. I'm sorry. Okay. And if I understand what you were telling the court, the purpose of this letter was to communicate with your mom, dad, and your brother? Correct. Okay. Yeah, according to Maya, apparently the letter featured a drawing of a heart with stick figures inside, and that was meant to represent family. While this is all incredibly tragic and sad to hear, I do have to tell you that for now, we're just hearing mainly the plaintiff's side of the case. The defense will have a chance to tell its side of the story later on in the trial. To give you an idea of that, in a statement to Law and Crime, a spokesperson for the hospital says, quote, our priority at Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital is always the safety and privacy of our patients and their families, and we are vigorously defending against the false allegations made in the suit. Our first responsibility is always to the child brought to us for care, and we stand behind our staff's compassionate care. This civil case involves hundreds of medical documents, dozens of witnesses, mountains of video and photographic evidence of Maya through the years. This trial is expected to last around two months, and we will keep you updated on some of the biggest moments. That's all we have for you here on Sidebar, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. Speak to you next time. Thank you.